This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place the Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Right now that time, 8.13, you're tuned to WGNS on this Monday morning, today the 23rd of November. And in studio with us this morning from the Rutherford County School System, we have James Evans, a spokesperson for the schools, and also Dr. Jessica Supakon. Am I saying your last name right there? Yes, you are. So Jessica, I guess let's start off with you because you do something that's pretty interesting and definitely unique. You have a virtual school, and this isn't just distance learning we're talking about so what what is it okay so we are a brand new um, all-encompassing school within Rutherford County and we are a completely virtual environment and that's a little different than the distance learning because they um, put distance learning in place as a reaction to COVID and distance learning will not stay forever but virtual school will we were in the works way before um, the COVID outbreak and so we um, we're an all-encompassing school. We operate with grades six through twelve, and um, we're here to stay. So, um, kind of the the way of the future. And James, you were saying off the air as well. You know, this is something that was planned way before COVID hit. So, how long has this been in the works before it actually was launched? Oh, it uh, it was in the works a year ago. You know, COVID hit in March, so at least the the last summer. Um, you know, it it was something that there is a there is a contingent of parents and students out there who prefer to be in a virtual environment. We've seen that with some other counties in the state, and we thought, hey, this is a great solution uh, and something we should be offering in Rutherford County. Uh, we're hoping that uh, we'll have enough students there that it will help us relieve some of the pressure on the building needs that we have eventually. You know how we're having to build at least a school a year typically, and we're still behind. This is one of those things that will help with that, and it's also it's not costing us any additional money to do that. So it it was just a no-brainer. And Dr. Supercon came on. What month did you come on as the principal last year? July. Yeah, and she's just taken it and ran with it. It's and it's amazing. They, it it is a tradition. It is a full bore school but it's virtual. Uh, they even had a student contest recently. Why don't you tell them what they were choosing on that? So our students were um, put with the task of creating our school mascot. And um, we had a lot of different entries and one of the students ultimately came up with the Rutherford County School Trailblazers. And uh, he said that one of the reasons for that was that they're paving the way for a new generation and really trailblazing something of the future. So does the school have a name, or is it just called the Virtual School of Rutherford County? It's the Rutherford County Virtual School. We wanted to keep it simple so there was no confusion. Now, there is some confusion now because distance learning came aboard, you know, came about, and uh, that's that confuses some, but I think people are understanding that more and more. We kind of did a pilot program in this first semester and had about 150 students? No, 110 102. Students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and now they're looking to add another possibly 150 for the second semester. Uh, applications are open right now. What about teachers? How many teachers? teachers are actually at the school? So our teachers are um, national. We used a platform 
called the Pearson Connexus. And so we use the Pearson teachers and they are located throughout the United States, um, but offer really good communication support, a 24 hour guarantee on all um, parent and student communication. So um, in the future, we hope to hire Rutherford County teachers and employ, employ them locally. Again, we're talking about one of the very first real virtual schools here in the Rutherford County system. Is there a home base for this? I mean, parent-teacher conferences, obviously they can't fly out of state to talk to the teacher if the teacher is somewhere else. So how, how does all this work with, you know, if a parent wants to come and talk to somebody? We have a actual um, office location at the back of the John Coleman Elementary and the John Coleman Annex in Smyrna. Um, and we try to keep everything as virtual as possible, but yet keep that communication um, at the forefront of what we do. So we Zoom with parents, we call parents, we are communicating with students and parents all day, every day. I, I would guess you have a lot less discipline issues with a virtual school. So what kind of issues do you run into with, with disciplinary problems in students? Really, the only thing that comes up is, you know, typical for distance learning, for in-person learning, and that's getting students to stay on track every day. Um, when they're at home and the parents give them a little flexibility, sometimes it's hard to keep them motivated. So we have a handful of students that we need to call the parents and get them on kind of a more rigid schedule just to keep them in line until they get up to track on their grades and their assignments. So are the kids looking at a teacher and are the teachers actually able to see the kids? I mean, do you do webcam? What what do you do each day, each morning? Um, they do some live lessons weekly, um, a lot more for the core content <laughs> classes and their foreign languages and electives. Um, but they do some live lessons over the computer. The rest, they um, kind of handle their to-do list and get that done just like an online college class would. I, you know, I noticed with the whole distance learning thing, some schools are doing things a little different than other schools some teachers are doing things different within the same school different from another teacher right down the hall and some of the teachers are having the students you know they have to show their face on the webcam so they can see that they're actually participating and understanding what's going on and it seems like that's the better route to take in some cases is that something that you're seeing with like you were saying certain classes with our classes, um, we offer a lot of flexibility with those live lessons. Um, when we do Zoom calls through the school, mm -hmm. we do require that they turn on their, their camera and their mic just so that we can make contact. And that's typically when we're trying to get them back on track. But for the most part, we offer a lot of flexibility. Ours is one platform, so it, the students know to log on there and how everything operates. But I think that's something that a lot of the parents have liked about the virtual school is the flexibility in the schedule. Again, this is one of the first real virtual, all virtual schools in Rutherford County. What about in the state? How, how do we compare in the state? Are other counties doing this? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, you know the numbers on that, right? Well, um, within the state, um, Williamson and um, Davidson County had started before us. Um, during the summer, I communicated a little bit with Williamson County, and they had started with about 500 students, and they've grown um, triple fold since then in two years. So, um, definitely the way of the future. Davidson County also has a huge 
uh, virtual school. So I think that as the years go by, we're going to see huge numbers in the increase in enrollment. You know, and to, and I to put that in perspective. I mean, if you have 1,500 students in, in this program, that's that's larger than your elementary and your middle schools typically. Typically, our elementary and middle schools are about 1,000 students, mm-hmm. give or take 100 students or so. Um, and your high schools are close to 2,000. So that that's what I was saying. Or this helps offset some of our building needs. Uh, in addition to that, and, w- and we had parents already wanting this and going to other counties virtually mm-hmm. to to enroll in their programs. And so this, like I said earlier, this was a no-brainer for us. Why aren't we offering this? Universities have been doing this for you know more than a decade, at least two decades, uh, offering online programs and classes. And so it's time for K-12 to catch up with that. You know, I can see where this would be really cool for families who have to travel a lot, especially for work. They're able to take this time their kids with them and not have to find somebody to stay at home. But they're able to, and, and you know, when kids travel, they learn new things anyway. So it's a great concept in, in regards to that. So are you seeing kids who are, you know, used to be at home, but now they're all over the country, even though they, they're based in Murfreesboro, they, this is where they're from? For sure. Um, we've got a lot of different families with different needs, and um, we've got some that travel, we did a weekly Zoom a couple of weeks ago, and one of the girls was in Gatlinburg, and she was having lunch with her parents, but she tuned into the Zoom call, um, still getting her work done, just not having to do it 8 to 3. She kind of did it when it was flexible for her. Um, we've got a lot of students that, you know, for one reason or another, have anxiety issues or medical issues, and so this is a really good fit for those students that really thrive from learning from their their home base at home with their parents as the caregiver and again this is not a distance learning type option this is not in regards to covid this is standalone virtual school here in rutherford county and uh, you're the principal is there an assistant principal a secretary how what does the office look like we've got three of us right now Um, myself i have an administrative assistant who is excellent um, donna sandage and so when any of the parents and students call they get miss donna on the phone and she is wonderful and then we have an excellent guidance counselor or school counselor that is miss annie williams and she's also great Dr. Jessica Subacon with us this morning with the Rutherford County School System, and uh, you're the principal of the first virtual school. What about interaction with the students? How are they interacting with each other? That's a great question, and that's one of the things that we hope to increase greatly in the future as COVID um, goes away. But right now, we do some Zoom calls with students. Um, We had a family night, an outdoor event about a month ago at the fountains at Gateway and it was kind of like a trivia night where they had their lawn chairs outside and so that was nice. Um, Some of our students have started clubs. One of my seventh graders started a book club and so they meet virtually but we hope to increase that a lot in the future. I'd love to see clubs that meet on site. We'd love to see um, more family get-togethers and things of that nature. How was this publicize i mean how did you get students to enroll in this because there was a lot of chaos in the beginning because of covid so how in the world did some know about this so we put out messages to parents obviously direct messages but there's some confusion there because they think that we're talking about distance learning so we've tried to differentiate and show how it's distinct and we did get our initial goal was to get about 100 students and we ended up with 102 so we met that first goal for pilot for piloting the first semester 
but we are having some trouble getting the word out now for the second semester and so we are taking applications right now through tomorrow mm -hmm. uh, trying to get I think we've had well how many have we had for second semester so far about 45 yeah so we've got still another hundred slots that we would hope to fill for those and this would start after the winter break so when we come back from the Christmas break um, that's when the second semester starts and what is the cutoff period tomorrow for parents to register their kids for this virtual school We'll take them all day. Um, right now, we'll take them through fax, email, or we have a drop box at the school location at the John Coleman Annex, so we'll take them um, by any of those means. And the application's not intimidating. We'll talk to them a little bit about what's required. The application's fairly short, um, just basic demographic information, house, um, address, phone. If they're not in Rutherford County Schools already, we ask that they attach transcripts for the last two years. That would be anybody that is homeschooled or at a private school. If they've been with Rutherford County, we can pull those records up. Um, we ask for a utility bill if they're not already within the school system and a birth certificate if they're not already in the school system. But that's it. Yeah. Does it cost anything? I mean, you know, I know taxpayers pay for county schools, but with the virtual school, is there any extra cost? There is not any extra cost. Um, the county has provided um, the funding for this initiative, and it's a really good program. On the state level with funding going into the schools, is it funded the same way? You know, I, I, I don't remember what the last number was per student that the state funds, but is it funded the same way through the state? It is, and actually I think we save a little bit of money by doing it through the virtual program. Uh, there's some overhead costs, of course, that are, that are lower, but yeah, we get the same amount of funding per student in the virtual school that we would get for a student in a traditional brick-and-mortar school. And again, this is the first real virtual school here in Rutherford County, not distance learning, and that's, that's what's so confusing, I think. Yeah, and so just in our conversation, Scott, uh, you've become more excited as we've talked about this over the last 20 minutes and that's the same experience we're having when parents realize what we're talking about it's just difficult to get because of distance learning and covid it's uh, the message is a little muddled this year because they they hear virtual school and they think we're talking about distance learning but if you're interested in it dr supercon or her staff can answer there's a website for the school just like any other school has a ton of information and all of this is available today what is the website <laughs> It's, it's um, a long address, isn't it? No, it's not too bad. It's rcso, like online, okay. rcschools.net. Or you can just go to the traditional county school website, and there's a link to the school there. Mm -hmm. Easy uh, enough to do then. Also, if you Google Rutherford County Virtual School, it's the first link that Absolutely. pops up. Well, th this is an interesting idea, and I'm sure, because you were saying you're working with a company, I guess, a nonprofit or some type of educational-related company, that's helping with teachers. So this is being done all over the U.S., of course. How many states have it? Do all states have it now? I would believe that all states would have a virtual school at this point. Um, the company that we're working with, um, Pearson Connexus, they've been around for over a decade um, doing virtual schooling. And um, it's, it's a really good program. They've got <clears throat> A lot of it just well-tuned to this point. Like I said, the teachers have a 24-hour communication guarantee with parents or students. Um, and when we surveyed our parent and student body, that was one of the questions we asked. How do you feel about the Pearson Connexus platform? How would you rate the assignments and the teachers and communication? And it got real 
high favorable remarks from both parents and students. And, and, they, and they are teaching our, you know, the Tennessee standards here, even though they're not based necessarily in Tennessee. It is the same type of curriculum and standards that our teachers would be teaching in the classroom. And again, this is grades what, K through 12th? I mean, is it all grades or it's what is it? It's 6 through 12 right now. Okay. We hope to expand next year to um, include all grades. And right now we're sitting at around 100 and something mm-hmm. students. Yes. And 100. then we've got 45 already signed up, up so in we'll, addition to those for the second semester right so over 145 come next semester wow that that's I, I mean do you want it to grow to a thousand or more what what's the goal here the goal is to grow it um to its fullest potential <laughs> um like james said we see it um being able to replace a school building one day um and the parents and students that are doing it they love it um it, it just meets a really unique niche that our community needs. When I think of a traditional school principal, I think of them walking around the hallways, making sure everybody's doing well, the teachers are doing what they're supposed to, the students are doing what they're supposed to. So what is, what is your day like? My day is communication all day. I am calling students and parents and talking to the Pearson teachers, um, doing different administrative duties, but I'd say the bulk, 75 to 80% of my day is communication with the families. So instead of walking around the halls, I am calling my way around the school. (laughs) The students who are, you know, medically fragile in some way, are you seeing a lot of parents with you know students who have medical challenges are you seeing a lot of them come to you and saying you know i want to do this we don't know how we're, we're worried we're scared to do it i mean are you hearing a lot of that for sure yeah we have got a lot of different medically fragile students that um are just thriving by being at their house with their parents you know as the caregiver and they really are thriving with the program i, I think COVID has kind of highlighted the whole medical scene as far as students with some type of be it a disability or be it a student who has you know gone through cancer and you know their their immune system is not as strong but I think COVID has highlighted the need to I don't know pay more attention to those students. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely in the past you know when they just have the option of doing brick and mortar or you know the other could be a homebound type program i feel like with us they're getting a really high quality education tailored to fit each family's needs and that's kind of echoed through what we've heard from our parents what about like technology needs what is it what does what do students need to have in order to participate in this at this point students need their own laptop Um, we had an allocated amount that we were able to issue out but moving forward students will need their own laptop and they need high-speed internet that's really important with the laptops that the schools provide, what are they? Chrome? The, no, the we actually Chrome use Windows what? machines, but they're you know okay. they're the smaller like budget machines, budget laptops. Are those proven to be fast enough? Because now you've you've issued so many, I guess, between COVID and now the virtual schools. So are those fast enough? Yeah, the the laptops that we're using. My son uses one at the school he's at, and it it does everything he needs to do. Now this is not a gaming machine, so if your child's hoping, hey, I get to play whatever <laughs> online, it's not that kind of graphics and processor. But for schoolwork you know, uh, doing emails and virtual classes or uh, Word documents, things like that, It'll, it's fully functional and does well. Again, James Evans also with us this morning, spokesperson for the Rutherford County School System. So moving over to the whole COVID issue and, and distance learning, because the virtual school does, I can see where, like we were saying, it would confuse a lot of parents. But with distance learning, 
what are we looking at right now with numbers? Uh, we have about 13,000 students who are still signed up for distance learning. And, uh, you know, some of them really, really love it. We have feedback from parents saying, my child's thriving. And then we've had others who said, you know, we tried it. This is not for us. We're, we feel more comfortable coming back to a in-person school now. And so they've, they've migrated back. Uh, we'll be taking... Um, so we've been trying to keep it at nine weeks at a time so for parents to commit to nine weeks just so that we can balance resources. Uh, and after Thanksgiving week, which is next week, um, and, and let me just stop and say, isn't it, isn't it great that it's Thanksgiving week? Yeah, so we, we made definitely. it this far. Everybody just, just, everybody just breathe, breathe a sigh of relief. But next week is uh, when we come back, parents will get information about what their preference is for the next quarter, which will be the quarter after winter break. I, I'm curious, did you see a flood of students coming back to the classroom after that October break that we saw? Uh, it, the numbers are definitely dropping on distance learning. We were uh, around, I know we were around uh, 40% at one point of our students were doing distance learning. I think we're down to about 25% now. So it, it did drop. But it's it's like what we expected, that some would try it out and, and either they wanted to see how the community was going to handle COVID and, and just how the numbers were doing and then decided to come back or they decided that distance learning was not for them uh, for whatever reason and they, they brought them back to school. Now, everything is different. The whole landscape of everything involving schools, students, businesses, everything has totally changed, it seems like, as far as the fear of COVID and, and the way people handle sickness in general. You know, if somebody gets a stomach bug, instead of just waiting that 24-hour period because that's how long most stomach bugs are they take well they go straight to the doctor's office or they get a covid test immediately everything has changed and within the school system i guess the rules have all changed as well dealing with sickness so if a child does get sick what is the first step that's usually taken it depends on what the symptoms are Uh, so there are different categories of symptoms there are some that are considered your high level symptoms that will tell you you you, it will be more of a clue that you may have covid so for example if you've lost your sense of taste and smell that's one of those category a symptoms that you're going to go home and we're going to see if we can get to you know get the parents to do a test or whatever uh, and then there are others. Maybe you are, maybe you have a normal cough or a headache. My son got sent home one day because he had a headache. He said it was a pretty bad headache. And they said, we have to wait 24 hours and make sure it goes away. And it did, and he was able to return. He actually did get a test and was negative. Uh, but I think we're probably all dealing with that. We're trying to, <laughs> trying to determine, is this sinus issue I'm having right now, is this COVID or is it just my normal, normal wintertime uh, congestion and I need to take my allergy medicine. I've had that same experience where we all, uh, we have one of those thermometers at home and I think we check ourselves three times a day just because of, there's a little bit of paranoia out there. But that the schools are dealing with the same thing. But the nurses are very well trained on what to look for. Uh, and they know what symptoms are more likely to be COVID as opposed to there's a 24-hour waiting period, and and they're they're mitigating it that way. All the schools, all the teachers, the administrators, they they seem to be really working well with the students and the parents because obviously things are different. You know, some assignments may not be turned in on time because somebody has to wait the 24-hour, 48-hour period, however long that they have to if they have to quarantine that's a different story but sure however long they have to get tested and waited and how i don't know how i don't even know how to word all this stuff you know because it's just weird and new it is weird <laughs> and new but i think our teachers first off have done a great job adapting and working with parents i think parents have done a great job now the parents get frustrated of course they get that call that hey your child's having symptoms you got to come get them 
and it's frustrating because you got to drop what you're doing to go do that. Uh, it's like the ultimate snow day. You, you don't always see it coming. There's no weather forecast that tells you there may be snow in the, in the next day. Um, but, you know, after that initial reaction of what do I do, we've seen a great response from parents doing what they need to do. Students are doing well, uh, adapting. A lot of our teachers are already training our students on how to do virtual or distance learning. I'm not going to say virtual. I'm going to say distance learning so there's no more confusion. But, uh, you know, what to expect if they have to go distance learning so that it's more seamless when we have to close a school uh, for a few days or whatever. And we've had, you know, four or five schools that we've had to close this year for about a week or so because the quarantine numbers were so high with staff members that you you just can't operate the school. There's not enough uh, adult bodies in the cl- in the school to manage those classrooms. And so we, get, we have to break up that cycle, move them to distance learning for a few days, let them finish their quarantines, and then bring them back. Let's talk a little bit more about that when we come back. And I'm also curious, you know, teachers who've been in the school system for 20, 30 years, I, I'm curious as to how they are adapting to all of this change. Uh, but we'll talk a little bit more about that when we come back, and we'll take a break for the weather and the traffic. Right now, the time, 8.36, and this morning, our guests in studio are from the Rutherford County School System. James Evans with us this morning, and also Dr. Jessica Supacon with the first virtual school here in Rutherford County. Time again right now, 8.36. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. When it's getting cold outside and you don't want to really get out of your car, Demas's has now started a curbside service, so you can order on online, put your make and model of your car into the website, and when the food is ready, we will bring it out to your car, and therefore you can still be in your pajamas and come and get lunch and go back to your home if you want to. Curbside service. It's just another level of service of which we are trying to provide the residents of Murfreesboro. Visit us online at demusrestaurants.com. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna is reminding you not to wait on that next car repair job. As a matter of fact, if you're a teacher or first responder, there are special discounts available to you on your next job. So stop by First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. That's First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. Skies have become mostly sunny here this afternoon, a high in the low 50s. Winds out of the northeast of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, partly cloudy and a low near 33. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 36. Precision Air knows you want the air inside your home as safe and clean as possible. Clean the air in your home with an affordable UV system. WGNS listeners get $50 off. 615-930-0088. A whole house air purifier. 615-930-0088. Good morning. Traffic's heavy, but it's moving here a little bit better than it was earlier on 24 westbound as you come past Joby Jackson from that earlier accident. Traffic's on the increase even more now. 24 through the Hickory Hollow area as you continue towards Nashville. Watch your speed. Tons of radar out here this morning. Sleep with the sharks in a grown-up atmosphere at Ripley's Aquarium in the Smokies. December 26th through the 27th. All the details at Ripley'sAquarium.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. Old friends, new name, better together as First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County, but we'll always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. 
This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Did you know we specialize in commercial and fleet business? We're equipped to handle all of your company's automotive needs. Download our Tire World app today for free oil changes and electronic coupons. Come by today for all of your automotive needs. Online at tireworld.us. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSradio.com. We're Rutherford County's place to talk. Right now that time, 8.40, you're tuned in to WGNS on this Monday morning, today the 23rd of November, and we're talking about the Rutherford County School System this morning, and our guest, we have Dr. Jessica Supacon, the first principal of the first real virtual school in Rutherford County, and also James Evans, spokesperson for the school system, and again, uh, Jessica, now is the time up until what, tomorrow afternoon to sign your child up for the first well, I, this would be the first school year of the virtual school. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so we will take those applications throughout the day into the evening. Um, we've got a fax number, email address, and a school drop-off location, and all of that is on the school's website as well as the application itself. And if a child wants to play sports but they want to do virtual school, how do they do both? Right now, we do not offer any sports programs. We are hoping to expand that next year. Um, That's the ultimate goal, to be an all-encompassing virtual school to provide every opportunity that they would get um, elsewhere. However, with with getting all the systems in place for this year, we weren't able to offer that, but definitely hope to in the future. And James, going over to the whole COVID-19 issue and distance learning, we were talking a little bit before the break about implementing distance learning and then also the issue of teachers who've been in the system for years and years all of a sudden having to basically teach two different classes one in school and then one that's virtual yeah and we you know we've highlighted uh, on our own uh, communications channels some of the teachers what they're doing and what are some of our veteran teachers are telling <laughs> us is it feels a lot like the first year that they taught now they're they have their experience of, of teaching 10 or 20 years of course in a classroom but because they're having to learn a new delivery method for some of this it's just they're learning a lot of new tricks but our teachers have really risen to the to the challenge here i was talking to bruce haley out of the eagleville and he said yeah it does feel like my first year but there's some excitement in that too in that uh you're reaching children in a whole new way but yeah hats off to them they have had a a, a very rough year as far as learning how to to uh, navigate all of these new programs but they are they're doing it you know if, if you were a teacher and let's say your plan was to retire in five years and then all of a sudden all this comes up it could be a little overwhelming so are you seeing more teachers retiring you know i don't have numbers this year but i don't think that would be out of line there, there's probably some that may have been on the cusp of deciding when to retire and may have just chosen this is the year to do it you know it's covid season and i'm i'm done uh but i don't know that we're going to see any sort of mass migration or anything like that teachers have always been known to to work a lot of extra hours in order to prepare prepare for the next day they take home papers to grade but now all of a sudden you have students who are at home learning and they don't wake up till 9 a.m. sometimes, maybe even 10, if they're not yet in that pattern of getting up early enough for the school. But if they're doing that, that means they're going to be emailing the teacher questions at 8, 9 o'clock at night. Right. Uh, I think our teachers have done a good job of uh, letting them know what the expectations are for their individual classes. So they let them know when, when are the office hours, just like you would if you were in a, in a brick-and-mortar building. Um, and and how to navigate that virtual setting when you're doing distance learning, um, and, but it's going to be you know every teacher is a little different. Just like you, if you were in a school building, uh, if your child was in a school building, 
every teacher teaches a little different. They have different systems, different programs, uh, different uh, metrics and rules on how they conduct class. And it's the same thing in the virtual environment. With COVID-19, it has really changed a lot about high school sports. The sports season, the parents attending the games, the friends and family members attending different games. What is that looking like or how has that looked so far? Well, uh, for sure, the the attendance, if you look at things like um, your spectators, I've been to some football games this year, uh, and you would see, of course, that it's marked off and separated and, and people are spread out more. I, I noticed I was at Rockville for one of their football games this year. They had seats set up in the uh, on the edge of the end zones for uh, certain people to come down and sit there so they would have more seating <laughs> options. Uh, so schools have done a good job of adapting with those, but we've also had some schools that – their teams have had to forfeit some games because uh, forfeit or either postpone, reschedule their games because of quarantine situations involving the the players. It's just one of those fluid situations that, like everything else with COVID, that we're just um, we're evolving as we go. Now I don't know if all the schools have decided to cancel pep rallies, you know, during football season, or if some had pep rallies that just look different. But that's got to play a role in the students' excitement about the school and the students' excitement about the upcoming game against you know another school you know it's funny you bring that up so at Stewart's Creek Middle School and they're not the only ones that have done it but this is a great example they figured out how to, how to do a virtual pep rally and they could involve students who were distance learning as well as those who were in the school they had the pep band playing but it was all virtual uh, they filmed a lot of it ahead of time and and showed it at the same time that you would do a normal pep rally and it's different it's not exactly the same as an in-person pep rally but it's it's their response to still get kids uh, excited about the game that night or that or that weekend or whatever it is, and so they're adapting too. It's just one of those things that we we never predicted this would happen when we first started about this in March. But there you go. There was a news story on. In fact, it came on today, and I'm sure we've heard a lot of news stories in the past about kids and socially interacting with others and how the generation today that's growing up in the schools right now they're not very good at interacting with others, and that's something that has been a struggle you know really since i guess since social media became a big thing on the internet so how in the world is that that's got to be challenging today more so than ever it is and we work a lot with the chamber of commerce and you know we have so many industries who are moving here so many companies moving to this county and one of the things they said that they need is a qualified workforce who understands soft skills which is what you're talking about how to how to shake hands and make eye contact and know how to speak to someone in person and you know talk to a group and we uh, before COVID hit uh, we have been doing a lot of uh, different things with incorporating additional soft skills into our curriculum at all grade levels to get students prepared for the workforce and get them used to social interacting now COVID has put a damper on a lot of that uh, some of the contests that we've had in the past have moved virtual but it's it's not the same as doing it in person and so it's one of those things that we're going to have to recover from when this is done i know pre-covid with the chamber of commerce they even had some teachers who uh, you know went out of the classroom and went to different businesses to learn how a business operated and then that business owner would come to the school and talk to the students about you know owning your own business or being the vice president or president of a company and that can't really be done the same way it was done in the past. Right. They call those externships. The certain companies had signed up with the chamber and could take, for example, an entire middle school teaching unit may go out or a number of teachers and the principal from that school would go out during the summer and actually work at the company and learn 
you know, what does this company do so they can actually get that hands-on <coughs> experience and then they could translate it back to the classroom. Uh, but you're right, it, it, those things had to be canceled this summer. But we're hoping that, uh, you know, we get to a point as a community with a vaccine or whatever it is that we can start returning to some of our normal activities that that will come back. The, the Chamber's planning that, I know. Are the COVID numbers going up in the school system right now as they go up in the community? And then, of course, when they go down, does it all follow the same curve? Yeah, you're talking about two different things, though. But, yes, we're definitely a reflection of the community. Um, so you have COVID-positive numbers, which are much lower. But then you, the bigger issue is the, the COVID quarantine numbers because of contact tracing. One positive case could put four or five people on quarantine, depending on how close they were in the past 48 hours. So just to illustrate this a little bit, we, every week we report numbers to the state on the number of positive cases. Uh, last week we had about 130 students that we reported to the state as being a positive case that we, we had a confirmation on, and about 24 employees. But as far as quarantine numbers, we had uh, more than 300 employees on quarantine and more than 3,000 students on some type of quarantine. They're not all school related. There could be that you know, someone in their household has been confirmed with COVID, and so now they're a household contact and have to quarantine. But that is one of the reasons that our director said we need to close down this week, take off those extra two days to let those quarantines run their course so we can get back to uh, lower numbers when school resumes next week. Is there a fear that with Thanksgiving we're actually going to see higher numbers come Monday of next week? I think it's possible. You know, it's something that everyone's trying to warn the community about is that, you know, the importance of having smaller numbers or uh, social distancing, taking extra precautions You with all the holidays that are coming up. But Thanksgiving is one of those that, you know, you usually have a lot of people at. Uh, and, you know, uh, I know within my own family we have had to reduce what we're doing because some of our own family is under quarantine right now. And so... Um, we're hoping those numbers don't see a dramatic spike, but it's definitely a possibility. Are there enough substitute teachers on standby within the Rutherford County school system? No, no. That's one of the, you know, so normally our, our fill rate for substitutes are in the high 90s. If we have us, you know, teachers out for whatever reason, we're down in the 60s now. And it's not the company's fault that provides substitutes. They're dealing with the same reality that everyone else in the community is. People that just cannot work um, because of quarantine or COVID situations. So what do you do? I mean, is that when you decide, okay, we, you know, th these numbers are high, we're having to quarantine all these faculty members, the, the teachers, we don't have enough substitutes. I mean, is that what makes you decide we're going to have to close down the school? Right, exactly. So we've done that, uh, as parents know, with about five schools this year at various times. We track numbers every day. The principals report us the numbers of employees who are out. The nurses are reporting the number of students who are out. And every day we're reporting it to our director of schools. He's going through the numbers. He's talking to the principals about what they see. Um, when they reach the point where they can no longer staff all the classrooms, because if you have a teacher out, for example, you can move an education assistant in that classroom because the teacher can still teach from home. They do distance teaching. But they need a body, you know, an adult in the classroom to manage the classroom and have the computer running and all those sorts of things. But there does reach a tipping point where you don't have enough uh, bodies to cover all those classrooms. You've ran out of options. You've moved everybody you can in there, assistant principals, whatever it is, that you have to say, we need to close this for a few days. And we keep track of the quarantine schedule for everyone so we can look at an individual school and determine, okay, they've got 15 teachers out, but if we came back on this day, you know, these 10 should be back because their quarantines would be over if they are on the 14-day quarantine s schedule. And so it's something that we're monitoring every day. Um, 
and, and closing only when we need to. But when it comes down to it, we just let parents know that we're moving to distance learning for a few days. Here's the expected date of return. We'll keep you posted. We have no other option. And and for the most part, parents have been it's frustrating, but I think they understand. That's what that's the feedback that we're getting. You know, there's a percentage of substitute teachers out there who signed up because they enjoy teaching, but they don't want to make it a career, but they enjoy going in and teaching a class, but they don't necessarily need it need to do it for the money. Right. Uh, so I could picture a lot of substitute teachers saying, well, this is just not worth it. I, I'm not going to go in there and put my family at risk this year because of COVID. So that's got to equal less substitute teachers too. Yeah, I think the people that normally, a lot of people who substitute are looking for flexibility for their schedules. They maybe only can work two or three days a week and they can kind of choose their schedules. Uh, they may or may not need the money. I think they probably wouldn't be working if they didn't need the money, but uh, you know, there's some. There's obviously a decent uh, salary there for a day rate for their substitutes. But I, I mean, yeah, of course, if there's something that you don't need to do, I think that they are seeing that. Uh, the company that we use, Advantage, they are uh, actively recruiting for substitutes. So if you're looking to, to become a substitute teacher, there's a lot of openings right now. If you're hired as a substitute, are you you know, going to work only, let's say, these three schools in this area, or are you somebody who they're going to pull from for all the different schools in Rutherford County? It's something that you sign up for and you, you list your preferences when you get hired. You know, I want to work at this school only, or I'm only available these days, or, or something like that, and the company works with you to 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 meet your your preferences that's got to make it a lot tougher for the county schools especially right now oh it is and and if you talk to principals they'll tell you that substitute fill rate is uh is frustrating right now but they understand just like everyone else does there's not much you can do about it we're dealing with what it is um but it's you know it's a lot lower than it normally is and so it's something that they're managing but the principals have gotten very creative on uh, how to move people around and get those spots filled so because the way the substitute teachers are hired and then their you know preference to let's say riverdale or riverdale and rockville or you know just schools let's say just in that area because they're already saying well these are the schools i want to work at you have certain number of a certain number of substitute teachers then for each school right i mean there's only a, a small number of teachers to choose from to come in as substitutes well you're going to have some that say they'll work at any school and then you're going to have some that may be more uh limited on what they want to work because of the way their their life schedule is whatever it is their children's schedule or their work schedule or their home life uh, but no we have some that are district-wide and then some that can tailor that down to certain areas they want to work in because it's closer to home or whatever so it's a variety are we going to see more new teachers being hired anytime soon because of all this is happening uh, we're not expanding the number of positions. There's just not the funding for that, you know, but um, uh, no. New schools that need to be built. I, I know we talked a lot this morning about <clears throat> virtual schools, and we got the first virtual school here in Rutherford County. Are there still plans on the drawing board to build new schools? And if so, what grades are going to be built first? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great segue because we actually have a new elementary school that's opening up near F's Mill Road this August, so in, in less than a year. Uh, it's called Plainview Elementary School because of the area. There's a road out there named Plainview Road. Um, and we are actually doing rezoning right now discussions. We had our first parent rezoning meeting uh, a week and a half ago, and we have another one next week, December 3rd, uh, for parents to come out. It's affecting Barfield, Rockville Elementary, Christiana Elementary, and Buchanan Elementary. Those four elementary schools 
will have their zones changed to make a zone for the new school. And so we have information for parents on our website. Uh, the first meeting was recorded and is available on our YouTube channel. And the next one will be held at Barfield Elementary on December 3rd at 6.30 p.m. Uh, parents are welcome to come out. And we also, because of COVID, we're broadcasting those meetings too live so they can watch virtually through YouTube Live and submit questions that way as well. So uh, we are gathering feedback from parents at this point. The board is. So they, they will be voting on a rezoning plan after uh, the winter break and then we'll be publishing that as well. But yes, that's the new school. We have land in other places too, out in Walter Hill, uh, that we, we need, what we really need right now are middle schools and elementary schools. Those are the grade, level, the grade bands that really need relief. What area of town, I mean, throughout all of Rutherford County, what area of town is the fastest growing for new students? <laughs> I don't know if there's just one area, but the Rockville community definitely is a fast, moving, a fast growing area. Blackman continues to grow in the Smyrna area. Uh, anywhere along that I-24 or 840 corridor is where you're seeing a lot of the growth areas because it's it's more convenient for those who commute to Nashville. We only have about three more minutes left this morning, but in studio with us this morning with the Rutherford County Schools, we have James Evans and also Dr. Jessica Supacon. And uh, as we close this morning, again, very first virtual school here in Rutherford County, not distance learning. I mean, it is a standalone virtual school. Yes, um, we are a standalone virtual school. We're still taking applications up until the end of the day tomorrow. Um, into the evening, we'll take those. Uh, we'll take them by fax, email, or drop off at the school location. Grades 6 through 12, completely virtual environment, and we are in here for the long run. So we'll be around long after distance learning is over. So um, any families that feel like that's the ideal setting and the ideal platform for your student to learn in, um, please check us out on the website. We've got lots of information and informational videos on there as well. Around 100 students right now, 145 expected by the next semester. So it's if it grows like that, we're going to be looking at 1,000 students pretty quickly. We hope so. Mm -hmm. Again, all of this can be found online as well on the Rutherford County Schools website, and you can get more information there or call the county school's office. What's the number there, James? 615. Uh, what's your number, Dr. Supercon? 615-904-6790. That's right. And so then, they can call directly to the virtual school. Okay. That sounds good. Again, all of this within the Rutherford County School System, and then just keep looking at your, you know, if you have a child in the school system, keep looking at your child's school's website to learn more about school closures or anything that may be coming up or just make sure you have your phone on because James Evans may be calling you <laughs> ta talking about a school that may be locked down for quarantine or who knows what, you know, yeah, it's just a weird time. And so parents know phone calls, emails, make sure they have, we have your current email address. You'll get the message both ways. Sounds good. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks thank for having you. us.